I'm going to talk about eternal life. Eternal life. The topic seems simple, but not too simple. There are things that need to be unveiled to us in order for us to grow in our Christian life. Now, for long, we have reduced eternal life to the life after death. Many Christians, the experience of eternal life is that when they die, they will be with Jesus. Amen? If you ask the average Christian today, why did Jesus come? They will say he came to save us from our sins so that when we die, we go to heaven. He came for us to be righteous so that we will not be found ashamed. Now, these are good answers, but it's not a full answer. Do you know what John 3.16 says? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So Jesus came not only for you not to perish, but for you to have eternal life. So the whole cross story <laughs> boils down to eternal life. Hallelujah. Eternal life. The aim of the cross was to give you eternal life. Say eternal life. Eternal. Say again. Eternal. Say it again. Now, if you study the Bible, you realize that eternal life is most of the time not spoken of in a future tense. Eternal life is spoken of in a present tense. Hallelujah. Sometimes in a past present tense. Hallelujah. Now, when you talk about eternal life, what is eternal life? What is life eternal? We need to know what is eternal life. Because if we don't know, listen, this message seems not exciting, but at the end of the message, you will realize that you are somebody else. So listen. So what is eternal life? John chapter number 17 verse 3 tells us. John chapter number 17 verse 3. The Bible gives us about two answers about eternal life, but we're going to explore the first one. John 17, verse 3. Let's read it. John 17, verse 3. One, two, three. No, no, go back. You were too quick on them. Yes. Hmm. Stop there. It was just the third verse I want. He said, this is eternal life. Eternal life to know. Eternal life is to know Christ Jesus. Whom God has sent. Now, 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 let's, let's, let's talk a bit about the word know. 
The word know is a simple word, but a very vast word. The word know does not talk about a mental knowledge. It does not talk about just being aware. Hallelujah. The word know is the same word. This word in the Greek, but in the Hebrew, it corresponds to the same Hebrew word that God used in the book of Genesis when he said, and Adam knew Eve. Adam knew Eve. And the result of that knowledge was a baby. Do you understand? So it's not just a mental knowledge. This knowledge the Bible talks about is an intimate knowledge. It's a personal relationship with God. With God our Father and with Son Christ. Intimate and personal relationship. So if we have to rewrite John chapter number 17 verse 3. Put again John 17 verse 3. So we can read it like that. Just verse 3. And this is eternal life. So that you may have intimacy. A personal relationship with the only true God. And Jesus Christ whom you have sent. You can rewrite that scripture like that. So, the aim of the cross is for us to have intimate relationship with God. Human beings being intimate in their relationship with God. Knowing him personally. That was the difference between the first church with the apostle and our modern church. Back then, people had a relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. People walked with God. The Bible said there was a man sent by God and his name was John. John came dressed in a funny and strange way. But when he opened his mouth, the kingdom of God was present. Now, we come with ties and shoes and suits. But when we open our mouth, nothing is present. What is the difference? The intimate fellowship, relationship with the Holy Spirit. Somebody say intimate. Knowledge with the Holy Spirit. Now, such a relationship that the apostle had with God was a living relationship. The apostles were not questioning every day. Are they filled with the Holy Ghost? Are they not filled with the Holy Ghost? Do they? No. They walk with God. They walked with Even in the Old Testament, there was a man named Enoch. He walked with God and he was no more. Ha! A type of walk that caused your being to be raptured. He walked with God. I say he walked with God. In Rome, in those days, Christians were killed. But when they were burning them, they were singing hymns to God. What was their secret? They were tortured, martyred. But as soon as they light the fire, they sing amazing grace. What was the difference? There was a personal relationship with God. 
an intimate fellowship with the Holy Ghost in a way that we are not bothered by the outward thing. Because there's no that every outward thing is temporary. But every spiritual thing is eternal. So even when the body was wasting away, they did not stagger through unbelief, but believe the God that called them because they have come to have a relationship with him. All the teaching that we are giving in the church sometimes is to just lift you up for a season because it does not lead you to relationship. But let's come back to foundation. What was the apostle having? Why did Paul never went to a counseling session? Why did Peter never sat in a counseling session for himself after he was baptized with the Holy Spirit? What was the screen? Were there not people like us? They walked with God. Say they walked with God. They walked with God. Now the question is how to have a relationship with God. I know that. Because practically, we all are questioning ourselves how to have a relationship with God. I have a few points here that I want to make. First of all, like every relationship, relationship with God starts First, with a meeting with him. You cannot have a relationship with somebody whom you have not encountered. Hallelujah. You cannot have a relationship with my brothers because you don't know them. You have never encountered most of them. So how would you have a relationship with them? So the starting point of your relationship is your salvation. When you are born again, you have entered the first step of relationship with God. Hallelujah. Second thing, relationship is increased with spending time together. Unless you spend time with somebody, you cannot have relationship with him. Relationship involves a price. Relationship is not for lazy people. You need to work at the relationship. You need to be intentional on working on your relationship with somebody. Do you know that you can be married to a man or a woman without having a relationship with a person? Because you can sit in the house and everybody is busy with his own stuff. Life does not involve the two of them together. They are in the separate world, but yet they are married. So the fact that you are born again does not guarantee a successful relationship. If when you are married, it guarantees a successful relationship, we wouldn't have any divorce. Do you know that men and women live together for many years and they never know each other? So when divorce comes, they are surprised. Oh, I fought. I fought. I thought you were assuming, but you never engaged. So there are many people, the reason why they don't have a relationship with God is because they have placed their relationship on the altar of needs. They cannot engage with God without asking for something. All they talk about, he is their life, he is their finance, he is their wife, he is their children, he is their work. That's what they talk about. There is nothing else to speak about. 
So when you tell them to pray, they say, I don't, after five minutes, I'm tired. Because there is nothing to talk about. There is no excitement. There is no butterfly. Some of you are in a platonic relationship with God. It's plain. There is no spice. That, 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 that thing is not there. The, the, the butterfly is not moving here anymore. So you are there by tradition. You are like an abused person. You will not go away because you are a Christian. But there is no flavor in that relationship anymore. There is no excitement anymore. The father is not sharing his agenda with you anymore. He has come to a place where he does not even share anything with you anymore. Because whenever you are exposing his presence, it's your need, not his need. How many people ask God, God, what is your need for today? Oh, we say he doesn't have a need. It's a wrong mentality. God has needs. His need is for his kingdom to advance. His need is for people to be, to, 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 to be exposed to his grace. His need is for, is, is for you to be an extinction of his kingdom here on earth. So you don't ask God his need, and God does not talk to you anymore, and you are frustrated because you don't hear the word of God. You know what? In the Old Testament, for 400 years, the voice of God was quiet because the Bible says everybody was doing his own thing. And when they came to that place, the voice was quiet. Let's start the habit of engaging with God. Some people say, but when I read the Bible, it's not exciting. Do you know why it's not exciting? Because you read the Bible as a book. The stories of the Bible is about God's affairs with men. The beauty and the complexity of a God from heaven coming down and mingling with men and writing a story, a love affair between him and human being. And whatever he talks about, he's talking about his heart for men, his relationship with men. He's talking about how he displays his love for mankind. And that is boring. Because we want to go to Isaiah 41. Do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. And that was excite us. We don't want to go to other passage that challenge the, our core. No. Christianity has become like a game where everybody is seeking for his comforts instead of seeking for God's agenda. Jesus, the Jesus you are following, your Messiah, my Messiah, the Bible says he was not giving rest to himself because he was about the Father's business. In relationship, you will succeed if you don't put your interest in front. Now, some of you are married longer than me, so I can't give you teaching on that. But from the little experience I have, I realized that if you don't die to self, you cannot have a good marriage. Because marriage is challenging. Because you are with somebody that does not reason like you. 
that does not think like you, and, and, and sometimes you bite your teeth because the priority of that person are not your priorities. Sometimes you need to say, it's not about me. The reason why God gave us marriage is to picture the kind of heart he wants us to have with him. He said that a husband has to lay down his life for his wife. He didn't say if she's good, if he's respectful. He says he has to lay down his life. That's a command. It means that if you are with a woman that you don't know that principle, you are lost forever. Relationship involves sacrifice. Because relationship is not about all about me. Relationship involves discomfort. Discomfort. Because now, you cannot just walk up, wake up and go to the mall. You have to tell somebody. The independent spirit must die in a marriage. Some of you are too independent. No, I was, I was independent. Lie from Satan. Who told you you were independent? You decided you were independent. You are independent and your independence dies the day you marry. Relationship is not a place of independence, but a place of dependency. You depend on one another. You depend on one another. Hallelujah. I don't know if it happened to you, but when you marry with somebody and you're in a relationship, if a person can live even for two hours, you start to be uncomfortable. I'm talking about marriage that are working. I'm not talking about marriage that's not working. Because I'm married, you even pray for him to go out so I can stay a bit longer. I'm not talking about this kind of broken marriages where you pray for the death of your spouse because you can't divorce so you want him to die. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a love, intimate relationship. I went to the U.S. for 21 days. It felt like I, felt I spent 21 years there. The day I was coming, I, I, the plane was not moving fast enough for me to come. And I was not coming for the church. I was coming for my wife. <laughs> because I can, me, I, we can start another church in the United States. That, that's not a problem. But I cannot get another wife in the United States. So when you understand the relationship, you understand this dependency. Hallelujah. So if you are independent of, if you have an independent spirit, it will trouble you in your relationship with God. Because you will make your decision without consulting him. Yes. You will make your decision, you will not consult. Where must you go? You don't know. You wake up. You are in the mall. Then something happened there. Lord, why didn't you protect me? Did he send you there that day? Hallelujah. We share secret in relationship. Say we share secrets. So, when you read your Bible, you are reading about God's love story with men. Read it in that mindset. And particularly, God's love story with you. The reason why you like the Isaiah scriptures, because it feels more intimate. It feels more personal. That's why you like the promises, because they feel more personal. They feel more engaging. 
but you forget that beyond the promise, there's a full counsel and the full agenda of God. He didn't give just the promise to give a promise. He gave a promise because he wants to achieve something. So you are taking just the promises and you miss on what God wants to do. The reason why he said to David, there will be somebody sitting on your throne is so that Jesus can be ushered and sit on the throne of David. So the promise was bigger than David himself. So the promises that God makes to you are bigger than yourself. God is catering for generations and you are catering just for yourself. So when you read the scripture, you need to read the scripture with an open mind that, that God is talking to you. When you speak in tongues, you must be mindful and conscious of the fact that the Holy Spirit is speaking through you. You listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit through your own voice. You are not speaking in tongues to just make noise. It's the Spirit that is speaking through you. The Bible says through intercession and groaning, the Spirit makes prayer through us. So the moment you open your mouth to speak in tongues, listen to that melody the Holy Ghost is speaking. And then you will be, will be moved to pray more because you want to hear more of that sound of the Holy Ghost. So you are not just making sound. The Bible says the Spirit himself intercedes through you. You want to hear the voice of God? When you speak, you hear his voice. Because let me tell you something. That, that, that speech is connected to hearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If today I take your hearing away, you will start to lose your ability to speak with time. Because what goes, the sound that goes in, that's the sound that turns your tongue. Also, the other way around, when you lose your ability to speak, even when you hear, you need to make sounds because there is no vocal ability to interpret what you hear. So people can be sitting next to you, but they don't know what you want because you hear, but you don't know how to put it out. So these two are connected. Hallelujah. So when we sit in the presence of God, we open our ears and we open our mouths. Because by, 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 by speaking the scripture, we are just speaking what we hear and it becomes a language. The Bible says, I'll give them a clean language. It's exciting to know that God wants you to be involved with him. It's exciting to know that the God of heaven wants you to be a partner in him, with him, doing his business here on earth. Didn't he say to the disciple, you shall go and I shall be with you. He said we are God's workmanship, created in, God, in Christ Jesus to do the work that he has prepared for us. You are a co-worker and a partner with God. But you know, the devil is trying to tell you that you are not. You know why? You know how? He's pointing out your mistake so much. If you buy a car and you want to fix it your whole life without driving it, some people have been working on themselves since they were born again. Working on this part, working on that part, working and they never move. And the devil has crippled you, making you mindful of yourself and forgetting the cross. He has put your focus on you, not telling you that it's already completed by the work of the cross. 
It does not tell you that you have the fullness of God, but it's telling you, you need to do a bit more. You need to do a bit more. You need to go a bit more. You need to fast a bit more. You need to pray a bit more without telling you that you are already ready to go. Ready to go. And on the way, you fix what needs to be fixed. You don't need to stop. You know, I was looking at a racing uh, context and those small, flat racing cars, when we're on the trail and they are going and they have to change the tires, they just come and they are gone. They don't stand there and look, this tire, uh, you lose the race. <laughs> Examining each the same size of tires. I think this one is bigger than the other one. Huh? Go! The longer you focus on yourself, the lesser you enter your destiny. You need to accept today that God is with you. I say you need to accept today that God is with you. You know, when I was coming this morning, I was praying. I said, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? He was quiet. I said, what do you want to do? He was quiet. And then he asked me, what do you want me to do? I said, no, tell me so that I can do. He said, no, tell me so that I can do. You, you know that's the talk we have with him. And then I said, my experience is that people are bound. He said, I will set them free. Partnership. Partnership. God can trust you. I said, God can trust you with his kingdom. When you are in a relationship with God, he can trust you. Look, when they ask Paul, who must we marry? Paul said, you can marry whoever you want. Just make sure that you belong to Christ. So Paul says, the responsibility is upon you. But I'm giving you some guidelines. So that in choosing, you won't choose outside of my will. But this is the scope of my will where you can choose. It's like you are hungry. And I take you to the shop. I say, this is food. You say, what must I buy? I say, you know your taste. Buy what you want. I'm providing for the money. But you want me to detect your taste and give you the money. People, that relationship... I said that relationship. Relationship is based on mutual trust. You cannot be in a relationship with somebody you don't trust. So you need to trust God. You need to trust the intention of God in your life. You need to trust that God is good. You need to trust that God loves you. You need to trust that God wants to do what he says he will do. You don't need to be suspicious about God. Yesterday, the man of God was talking about Romans 5, 5. And he said, the Holy Spirit pours the love of God in our heart. And I know that many people understood it wrong. They thought the Holy Spirit is going to pour. He has already poured it. He's not going to pour. I could see that people misunderstand. They don't know that it's already given. 
But what is given is not taken necessarily. What you need to do now is to take it. Because <laughs> Paul says something. Paul says something in the book of First Timothy chapter number 6, verse 12. I want us to read. And then I'm going to go to the second part of eternal life, and then I'm finished. Let's go quickly. First uh, Timothy chapter number 6, verse 12. Can we get there? First Timothy chapter number six, verse twelve. It's a fight, the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called, and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. He said, fight the fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. But eternal life has already been given. So how do you lay hold on something that is already given? So it means that between the given and the taking, there is a difference. I come here, I said, we provide water for everybody. It's here. Then you are thirsty and you are praying, Lord, provide water. Lord, I'm dying. If you don't give me water, I'm done. But it's already provided. There's only one thing for you to do. You need to stand up from there and be bold enough and say, yes, the water, I'm taking it and I'm drinking it in the name of Jesus. You see, when you do that, you are laying hold of what has been given. Let's go to Romans 5.5. I will explain to you. Romans chapter number 5, verse 5. Are we blessed? Amen. Romans 5, 5. This, this, when you understand that, it changes your life. You go home and smile. Because when you go home, God is with you. You sit on your bed, you say, hello. God, you, I am so blessed. You are here. Hey, Romans 5, 5. Now hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been It has? Oh, my Lord, help us. Does it say the love of God will be poured? It has been? So it's already in you. The only thing is that you don't know it is in you. And if you don't know it is you, you don't know how to acquire it. So you are trying to acquire something that is in you. So that's why you spend 100 years acquiring what is already given. Imagine... Every morning I come to my wife and I kneel. Honey, I love you so much, I want you to marry me. We are married for, no, 19 years. And, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. No, imagine in, in the 19 years, every morning I kneel. My wife, and I call her my wife. <laughs> Honey, I want you to marry me. Would you please marry me? She will take me to Urania as soon, fast. So some of you, <laughs> you are in a mental, spiritual institute. That's why your life is going like this. 
because you are begging for already what is already done and settled. What you must do now, God, thank you for your love is poured in my heart. Lord, thank you for I am full of your love. I move in your love. I receive your. So that's what Christians are doing. You know how funny it was to kneel every morning. After you spend the night, you kneel on the bed and say, would you marry me? And that's what your prayer life is. You are begging for things that are already established in your life. And you are not moving forward. And you are like a tennis table ball. Boom, 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 boom. Fourth and back, fourth and back, fourth and back. Oh, Lord, I'm a sinner. <laughs> you repent every... <laughs> take hold of eternal life. I said, take hold of eternal life. Say, I take hold of eternal life. Now I want to finish with it, the last part of eternal life, and then we are done. Eternal life. The second part of eternal life. First John, chapter number 11, verse 13. Let's read quickly. First John 11, 13. So in your relationship with God, speak what is already established and move in it. First John, chapter number 5. Verse 11 to 13. 1 John 5, 11 to 13. Let's read it. He said, and this is a testimony that God has given us what? And this life is in his son. Stop there. I will carry on now. It means that the very life that is in Jesus is in you. Ah, you don't hear what I'm saying. Eternal life is not just the length. It's called Zoe. Zoe is a quality of the life of God. Zoe, that's what makes God God. He said, this life that is in the sun is in you. My God, my... You share the life of God. That's what we call eternal life. The reason why when Jesus was sick, or no, not sick, the reason why sickness couldn't touch Jesus was eternal life. And the reason why you are healed when you are sick Eternal life. Because eternal life will rise and destroy everything that is not of God. Listen, eternal life is like a vaccine. Yes, yes, you are infused with God life. So, 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 so the voltage of heaven runs through your veins. In a way that that eternal life comes and, and absorbs everything that is not of God in you. This life is in his son. I can even rest my case. This life is in Jesus. And he said, God has given you. Not God will give you. God has. Uh, say, God has given me. So where life? Which, was, which is in Jesus. Oh, I understand why Jesus says in the book of John 14, 12, the works I do, you shall also do. But greater works than this, you shall do. Why? Because the way is in you. Eternal life. You know, when I feel not well, I say eternal life, rise up. 
Eternal life, take hold of my being. Eternal life, take hold of every member of my, my body and every bone. Eternal life, quicken my life. Let's carry on reading. Exciting. Exciting. Say, I have eternal life. Yes. And he said, and this is the testament that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. That one I can stop there all the time. The life in Jesus. The life in Jesus is in you. I say his life is in you. Let's carry on. And he said, he who has a son has life. He who does not have a son does not have life. Let's carry on verse 13. He said, this thing I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. So in another word, the apostle is saying, your life is going like this because of ignorance. He said, these are right so that you may know, so that you may come to intimate knowledge, to realization that, wait a minute, I have got life in me. Because people are going anyhow, and they don't know that there is a substance. Oh, Holy Spirit, help me. The reason why Paul didn't die when the serpent bit him, I always thought it because of Rome, that God had his promise upon him, and he will not die. But I forgot that in the Old Testament, they had promised they died. So it's not the promise that kept Paul. It was eternal life in Paul that kept him alive. So when the snake bit him, the venom went in and said, oh, there is a vaccine. This guy is already, already vaccinated. So, so the venom had to back off and disappear from the body. So they said, they thought, they thought Paul is going to die. Then they sat there, and Paul is not dying. And you know what they say? They say he's a God. What are they talking about? The life of God is in him. People, the life of God is in Say the life of God is in me. Say the life of God is in me. I'm loaded with the life of God. Hey! I'm going to give you another scripture. He said you shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Oh, do you know that you can pray for somebody without laying hands and they can recover? Amen. But what is the laying hands of him? There is the eternal life that goes through your fingers. Ah. So when you lay hands, there is an impartation of eternal life going from your body to his body. So it's like you are injecting him with something. The guy is sick and you come, you lay hands. There is a spiritual injection that goes into his body. And they say, he recovers. Listen to the word. He will Recover. It means it can be a process. But you know that with injection, injection, healing is not automatic. So when you lay hands on somebody, you are communicating life. My God, my God, my God, help us. Help us, help us. So you can go and lay hands on people. And when you are laying hands, you don't say, oh God, please come heal me. Oh God. No, you lay hands, you say, I give you life. Say, I give you life. I give you life. Because life is in me. Oh, life, life is in me. The last scripture. John chapter number 5, verse 24. Let's go there and then we finish. 
John 5? Oh. This thing makes me sweat in winter. <laughs> eternal life is working in me. I say eternal life is working in me. Say eternal life is working. Oh, I have the love of God in my life. Oh, God loves me so much. I'm the attention of his love. God loves me so He loves me so much. Oh, I live a hallelujah life. He loves me so much. I'm not begging for his love because he has given me his life. I know it and I know it and I know it. I am precious in the sight of God. The spirit loves me. I'm one of the darling of heaven. When you touch me, you have touched heaven. I'm the apple of his eyes. You know, when you feel loved, you are secured. Because insecurity comes from lack of love. When you are not secure in the love of a person, you try to win it. So that's why when a child is restless at home, we ask the parent, are you flooding him with love? Because when he doesn't have love, he tries to seek for attention. And he does it especially when there are visitors. Because he's trying to scream for something. But when he's satisfied, when his cup is full, that's why when he came to Jesus and said, you have a demon, he said, what are you talking about? My cup is full. I'm not, I'm not insecure anymore. I'm not based on what people say. People appreciate you. They don't appreciate you. Who cares? He loves me. Master of heaven loves me. Last scripture. Let's read. I feel like dancing now. Oh, I feel like dancing. It's foolishness, I know. (laughs) Hallelujah. I I, I want somebody to feel like dancing. Because God loves you so much. Heaven loves you so much. Heaven loves you so much. God said, devil, not my child. You know, a mother can criticize his own child, but don't join him criticizing the child. A mother can say to his child, hey, why are you like that? But let a stranger come. Leave this child of mine. This is my baby. I'm the one that bore this baby. You, who are you? Stay away from our talk. So the fact that he rebukes the child does not mean she does not love the child. So even if God sometimes rebukes you, it's the expression of his love. But, 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 I want to speak French now. Because the word in French is very, they say, erre. They said, if you make the mistake, you are finished. So, devil, if you make the mistake to interfere with me, I'm not even going to pick a fight against you. I have the backing of heaven. Say, I have the backing of heaven. Let's read. No, it's uh, John 5, 24. Don't take me 21. 24. This one, you're going to jump. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in me, in him who has sent me, 
has in it shall not come into ah, I'm not judge anymore I'm not I'm not judge anymore and look 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 verse he has passed oh amela amela he has passed from death to life death where you sting Death, where is your sting? I have passed. Hey, say I have passed. You know, when you are in school and they say you have passed from one grade to another one, it means the lower grade, you have nothing to do with it anymore. You have transited. You have been catapulted. You are, you are, you are transferred from death. Therefore, get life. Whoa, can we give a big hand to our Lord? I am alive. I am alive. I have, I have life. Life. And Jesus came and said, there is an abundance of life. I have come so that my sheep may have this life we are talking about. But even more abundantly. So there is a place of life and there is a place of life I'm praying that you may reach that place of abundant. I say abundant life, abundant peace, abundant joy, abundant fullness. Somebody say, this is prosperity message. Yes. Because in God we prosper. Prosperity is not limited to money. Prosperity is limited to every aspect of my life. So, so I cannot claim I'm a child of God and neglect one aspect. I am full. Say, I am full. I am full. The grace of the Lord is with me. Say, today, I experience the love of God like never before. Put your hands on your chest. Say, God loves me. Oh, say, he loves me so. Oh, eternal life is in me. I have passed from death to life. Life is in me. And I give life to people around me.